This is Pastor Mike, and I want to welcome you to the Life Fellowship Podcast. I know that the trials of each of you experience can often feel overwhelming, and at those times, the enemy tries to bring discouragement into your life. Remember that in John 16, Jesus tells us to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Today, as you listen, I pray that God's word ministers to you and that the power of the Holy Spirit deposits joy and peace into your situation. How many has had quite a day today? Has anybody? It's Friday, right? It is Friday, right? <laughs> you know what? We um, got back into town, what? We came on back in Tuesday night so that I could have Wednesday at home. And then we've been in the airport all day today, two hours delayed. So um, thank you, Jesus, we're here. I tell you what, stand up. Let's shake off this day. Let's just shake it off. <laughs> Let's shake it off. Because you know what? I have been praying for you. I want you to know that when Miss Stephanie... We were somewhere, and it was before we went to Moffitt to do the, you know, the school, Moffitt School. We, we just helped rebuild a school in Oklahoma. And before we even went to Oklahoma, and we was in Oklahoma for a month, y'all. I just want you to know, when you've been gone for a month, you, your world just stops spinning, and you're there in, in the midst of that storm. You know, and when she called, Instantly, instantly, I accepted. And then I went straight on into the, the build of the school and everything that comes along with that. And, but even then, even then, I knew that praise, our praise is where God was going to take us. You know, and, and I'm going to tell you, tomorrow, I'm just going to let you know, tomorrow we're going to get even deeper into the praise. But tonight, I feel like God is really stirring on my heart, and I do not even know how this is going to turn out. I'm just going to be real straight with you, because on the plane, I started making notes, and, and, and so the, the tide is changing a little bit, and then she said the word storm. And that's what's been in my brain all day today, storms are coming. Storms are coming, you know, and I'm like, okay, Lord, but, you know, but no smell of smoke, you know, um, because tonight we're going to look at in the book of Daniel. Daniel 3 is where we're going to kind of land, but I want us to shake off everything, the two hours of delay, everything. You know what? No matter what you've gone through today, by the end of the night, I want you to look in the mirror when you get home tonight, and not even tonight, but whenever this pops in your head, no smell of smoke. Because before this night is over with, you're going to understand where I'm coming with that. Let's just pray. Let's just join together and pray. Father God, Lord, we love you, we love you, we love you, we praise your holy name. Lord, we thank you, God, for everyone that's within this room tonight, dear God. Lord, I have been praying for these ladies, dear God. And Lord, I have been just asking you, God, whatever the need is, dear Lord, birth in this spirit right here. Lord, tonight I surrender all. I surrender all. Holy Spirit, thou are welcome. Thou are welcome. Lord, I pray tonight that you will let the blind eyes be open tonight, dear God. Lord, let their ears hear your word tonight, dear God. Lord, and if there's any change that is binding and hindering them tonight, dear God, Lord, I command them now to start breaking, oh God. Lord, I pray over the hearts, dear God. Lord, let your word penetrate and pierce the heart tonight, dear God. Lord, we ask you, we just ask you, Lord, to come into this room tonight as the praises have been going up, dear God. Lord, we just want to give you all the glory. We want to give you all the praise in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. You may have a seat. Yes, tonight, you know, somewhere along the way, this is turning into a storms are coming. You know, I had wrote down Isaiah 43, and I still think it, it's all going to work together. Isaiah 43 says, but now this is what the Lord said. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. 
When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Y'all take these words, and if this is not underlined in your Bible, I would tell you to underline these Bible, these words in your Bible. I, I don't know if you believe in writing in your Bible, but I write in my Bible. It, you know what? When you open it, it's like a love letter to you. That's what it is, and, and it brings it back to you. Yeah, but it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. Say that with me, because I love you. You know, is that not powerful? That no matter what you may go through in your life, God's word, God's word is true, right? You know, it is the word and it was. In the beginning was the word and the word was, right? Yes, you know, and the word became flesh, you know, but his word just speaks to you. And right there, he's telling you that no matter what you go through in your life, he will be with you. You know, I love that he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I even wrote down some things about some little quotes of storms. Have you had a major storm come through your life and you didn't know if you was going to withstand it? This one said, she stood in the storm and when the wind did not blow her away, she adjusted her sails. Can't you just see a lady in the storm just having to readjust herself because the storm did not blow her away? Um, and then another quote, it said, storms make trees take deeper roots. You know what? That's the truth. That's the truth. Because when the storms of life come your way and they feel like they're going to blow you over. But you know what? The deeper you are with our Heavenly Father, then the deeper those roots go. And then you'll go back and then you'll come right back up. And when you come back up, you're going to be even stronger because you know that you know that your God has got you. No matter how the enemy comes against you. God has you. You know, another thought, it says there are some things you can only learn in a storm. You hear me? <laughs> That's true. Hey, none of us want a storm, but I'm here to tell you some things we only learn in a storm. That's, that's the truth. And then it says, don't confuse your path with your destination. It says, just because it's stormy now doesn't mean you aren't headed for sunshine. Sunshine's coming. Not all storms come to disrupt your life. Some come to clear your path. Y'all, those are some good little things about storms. I, I tell you, storms do come. Is there anybody in this room that maybe is in a storm? Anybody in a storm now? If you're not in a storm now, you know what? You may have just come out of a storm. And if you have just come out of the storm, you know, maybe there's, you, you went, you're going through the storm. Because either way, they come, they go. And, you know, that's why we got to thank God in the mountains and we got to thank him in the valleys. If you would turn with me to Daniel 3. You know, no matter what you go through in your life, you have a choice. You decide when you go through the, the storm how the storm is going to affect you because there's going to be three different outcomes in a storm. You know, because when you go through the storm, when you, you get the, the call from the doctor, you know, and, and you have gotten a diagnosis that you do not want, you did not want to hear that, and you pray, Lord, take this from me. You know what? Sometimes he'll take it from you instantly, but sometimes you have to go through that storm. But I'm here to tell you there's a third scenario. Sometimes he takes us by the storm. And when he takes us by the storm, that means that he took us into his loving arms. You know, so no matter what you go through, it's going to be three outcomes. The first one is you can be delivered from the storm. Let's look at Daniel because there was the three Hebrew boys. Who are they? Come on, speak to me. Wake up. Don't go to sleep. Who are they? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yes. Let's just read this. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Jan Daniel 3. And I am not going to start at 1. I'm going to go to 8 because I really want us to get to the end. You know, I, can, I would dare say that there's not no one in this building that don't know this story. But sometimes when you reread it, you'll see nuggets that you just totally overlooked. So tonight, let's try to pull out some nuggets so that we can grow from the storms. And I'm going to start at verse 8. It said, At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. It says, And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set. You have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image you got, the, the gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summons Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the men brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you, that you do not serve my God or worship the image of gold I have set up? Does this not look like a storm is coming into the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do they not have a choice to make right here? here? Yes, they do. They're, they're in the, the middle of the road. Either they turn left or they turn right. We need to turn right, do we not? Right? Uh, it says, now when you hear the sound of the horn, the, the flute, the zither, the lar, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. He's given them a chance. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. It says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But, there's a but, but even if he does not, we want, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the armies to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men were wearing their robes, trousers, and turbans, and their clothes. They were bound they were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked the advisors. They said, certainly... Um, Wait a minute. When weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around the fire unbound and unharmed, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God. We're going to finish right here. Let's go one more. It says, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the 
fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Now, I'm going to tell you right there, when you're going through a storm, that's the way you want to land in the end of the storm with no smell of fire on you. If you are near fire, do you not smell like smoke? You can even go into a Mexican restaurant. You're going to smell like Mexican, right? You're going to smell like salsa and chips, are you not? You are. I'm going to tell you, whatever you've been around, that's what you come away smelling like. Not unless you've got you got your trust in God and it's so much of him is within you that you smell more like him than the world. You know, as I said from the beginning, there are three outcomes. You know, the first outcome is we can be delivered from. Do we not all want to be delivered from and not have to go through the storm? Is there anybody in here that would prefer that way? Yeah, I think I would prefer that way. I would, Hebrews 11, one says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11:6. and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, we can be delivered from or we can be delivered through the fire. You know, I'll have to say, when we came to Texas, um, we had sent blessing buckets here a couple years ago, and we had flown in. And you know, when you go through a storm, it changes you. When you go through it, your compassion is different. How you look at someone else that goes through that storm, everything about it changes. You know. Because we had come, we had taken a, a plane, and, and you're talking about going to the storm, and, and somehow Daniel kept coming through my mind. We had had an awesome day. We had, we was getting ready to get back on the plane, and we had, we was coming from Danville, Virginia, and we had come to Texas is where we had come, and we was on our way back home. It was me, Randy, and we had Shane, who had never flown before. He is the guy that does our videos and stuff like that, and then it was Tony and Tracy Stone was with us as well. And so we dropped Tracy off in Atlanta. And so we're 30 minutes from Atlanta to Danville Airport. It would take us 30 minutes. Well, as soon as the plane went back up, I mean, just as soon as that plane went up, I saw fire hit. And I'm thinking, oh, that's not good. And then instantly the plane stopped. And I'm telling you, when you're way up in the air and you can't get to the ground for safety, you know, your heart stops. You know, and I looked at Tony and I said, Tony, are we okay? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, we okay. I looked at Randy Johnson. I said, that man's lying. <laughs> Let me just tell you, that man is lying. And Everybody sit perfectly still. Now remember, Shane had never even been in an airplane, point, you know, airplane before. You know, and here we are. We didn't went up, and I saw the fire. So they won't sit in where I was sitting. I saw the fire, so I knew. And when a plane stops like this, you know, and then after a little talking from up front, he comes back and he said, um, "Yeah, we we do have a problem. You know, something has happened to one of the engines. You know, and, and everybody's just sitting here. You know, and you, when somebody looks at you and you're in a plane, because I've been in an airplane all day long. Maybe this is what's bringing it back to my memory. You know, but when you are in that airplane and somebody says your engine is out, huh? Okay, you're getting ready to go through a storm, are you not? You know, because, you, you know, the day before, a plane had just gone down and these big executives had, had gotten killed in, in that airplane crash. You know, all these things are going through your mind. You know, and then he come back, he said, we can't get you back to Danville, but we're going to get you back to Wilson where the plane is, is going to, where it came out of. And it's when they left Danville, they had to fly back. You know, and we looked at me, oh, we're just right here above Atlanta. Let's just go back to Atlanta. We, we don't need to even go to Wisconsin. I will sleep in the airport. I promise you, I will not gripe. I will not complain. I will sleep in the floor. Well, he said, no, we feel good. We can get this plane back. You know, and so we're like, okay. You know, and my son, I have now a 19-year-old son. At that point, I think Jarrett was 17. You know, and, and 
when your child's not with you, you know, your heart is like, oh, oh, I still got one I'm raising. <laughs> I'm not done yet, Lord. I'm not done yet. But there was a peace that came into that plane. We just quietly, now remember, Shane had never been in an airplane before. You know, bless his little heart. <laughs> He didn't say a word, and we just we just said a prayer, and everybody just got back in their seats. And I'm here to tell you what would have took a 30 minute, you know, trip. It was taken. It was just slow. It was like we were not even moving. And so I start sitting in my seat, and in my breath I started praying, "Oh Father God, I pray right now, an angel in this other wing, on this other engine right here, Lord. I know this one ain't working, but Lord, you put those angels right there, and you." keep this one from overheating. And I, you know, I'm going to tell you something else that went through my mind. I even said, Father, this is your plan. This is your plan for my life. And if this is what you choose, that if this plane was to go down, Lord, I know that you've got Jared Adam Johnson. I know that you will put somebody in his life to raise him. But God, if you choose to take me on to, to glory, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my child. Like, it, like I could. It's his child anyway. He just entrusted him with me for a little while. But there was a peace that came in. It was like the the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. Now you know why Daniel could lay down um, when, when it was the lion's den and, and he was thrown into the lion's den. He went to sleep. Did he not? He just, he laid down and he went to sleep. You know, and then I started thinking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that was thrown into the, the furnace fire. You know, this is why they could be thrown in there because they said, if you choose to deliver me, hallelujah, raise a hallelujah. But if you do, not. I trust you anyway. And that was a peace. When you go through a storm, I'm telling you what, it changes you. It changes you, does it not? You know, I'm here to tell you, hey, I'm standing with you right now so you know I made it through that storm and I had a peace. I had a peace because when you go through a storm, you can pray that, Lord, you take that storm away or, Lord, you take me through it or you give me peace through that storm. And I'm here to tell you there was a peace that came into that plane. We want crazy, want nobody crying, want nobody screaming. And then two hours later, a 30-minute it took them two hours to get us to Wilson. So we stayed there and thanked the Lord, got home the next day. But I'm here to tell you, when you go through a storm, when you go through it, you're like that tree that those, ro those roots are getting deeper because you know that you know that your Father will not leave you. I love that He says, I will never leave you. I will never Never forsake you. I am the great I am. And he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion for such a time as this. Oh, thank you, God, that you said I will never leave you, that he will get us through the storm. But I'm going to tell you another story. Yeah, this is getting ready to go different. I'm going to tell you another storm, a storm that came into our life. My mama, going back to my child that's 19 years old, my mama was diagnosed with cancer and was only given two two years to live, two years. I want you to know that that was 19 years ago. I'm here to tell you that, that my mama looked at me one day you know, and, and, and you, you, you want the, the storm to be taken from her. You don't want her to have to go through that. You don't want to have to pat the, the hairs on your eyebrows so that you won't lose all your eyebrows or your hair. But the day that my son was born was the day mama, all mama's hair had come out because it came out. She missed the birth because she was trying to get the hair to lay down. So that day she went back and said, Daddy, just cut the rest of it off. It's time for the wig. But I'm here to tell you that no matter what story storm you going through, my God is with you because I'm telling you, God has brought her through that storm because I'm here to tell you the cancer had took over her body where you could see it. When you physically can see it, I'm telling you what, that is an aggressive cancer. But I'm here to tell you, my mama came to a ladies revival and there was a pastor woman that soon became their pastor and didn't even realize at that time. And she touched my mama, not even knowing what was going on because I'm here to tell you my God is still in the healing business and if you're going through a storm tonight I'm here to tell you Jehovah Jireh will 
be your provider. No matter what storm you're going through, nothing is too hard for God. You know, but the thing is, mama looked at me one day and she said, honey, I'm okay. She says, either way, I'm healed. Regardless if God heals me right here or if God heals me on the way home, I'm healed. And you know it in my heart, that ain't what I wanted. I don't want my mama to leave this world. My mama is my best friend and that is the truth. Every morning I'm calling her and she don't answer. I call 10 people to see where she's at. You know, I'm here to tell you because I was a girl that was loved and brought up by a good mama and daddy. But I'm here to tell you, I rejoice and I know that if you're in this building tonight and you're going through a storm, a diagnosis has been set on your life. I'm here to tell you in the name of Jesus, he still heals. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're in here now and you need healing, you reach up. You reach up and grab. Be like the woman with the issue of blood and push through. Push through. Touch the hem of that garment because right there, that oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm here to tell you that storms come, but how the storm affects us. You know, some people become bitter. They become so bitter. When I see people that are bitter, I instantly stop now and say, oh God, what happened? What happened? What happened, Lord? Because I'm going to tell you, the bitterness is a wall. It's a wall that, oh, you're not going to hurt me. You can't penetrate me. It's a fence. You know, they may have had offenses in their life. And when we have an offense and we do not forget, forgive the person, then we start creating these fences. Then all these fences keep everybody away from us. But you know what? We have got to make sure that if the offense comes in our life that we surrender it and we say, Father God, you, for, you help me to forgive. You know what? There's some, there's some storms that come in our life, things that happen. There's been people that have lost loved ones to murder. Oh, gosh. There's been people that has walked through some horrific stuff. You know what? And you wonder, Lord, how are they even holding up their head? If they don't know Jesus, I don't know how they're holding holding up their head. But I'm here to tell you, God loves us. He stands at the door and he is knocking. No matter what storm you're going through, he's standing there. He's with you. He wants to see you through the storm. You know what? We got to plug in to the right outlet. Who are you plugged into? Are you plugged into what your friend says, what the world says? Or are you going to plug into God's word that says, by your stripes, I am healed. Oh, hallelujah. That greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When the enemy comes to, to put thoughts in your mind that you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not sharp enough, I'm here to tell you, you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, I ain't said one thing on my paper. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. You know what? When you go through the storm, it's that, that silversmith. This is on my notes. <laughs> you know what? When there was, there was some ladies that was doing a Bible study, you know, and they got into Malachi 3, and it was talking about, you know, the, the purifier and, and the refiner, you know, because when you go through the storms like that tree and those roots have got to go deep, there's some things that must be burned off of us at times. You know, sometimes those storms are coming to make us stronger so that we can bear more fruit. We must be like that tree that can be trimmed back so that all the imp imperfections and impurities can be skimmed off of us. You know what? Oh, I... To be more like him. To be more like him. You know, and, and, and it, it goes on to say that the lady called a silversmith, you know, and she was going to report back to her Bible study. They were having a Bible study, you know, and she asked for an appointment so that she could come and watch the, 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 the man do the, the silversmith work. And, um, you know, she didn't tell him why she was there, that she was questioning what exactly does this mean? You know, but I'm here to tell you in the midst of it, God spoke to her. I'm going to just read it so I'll tell it correctly. 
It says the verse puzzled the woman, and they wondered what this statement mean about the character and the nature of God. One of the women offered to find out about the process of the refining silver and get back to the group at the next Bible study. That week, the woman called a silversmith and made an appointment to watch him at work. She didn't mention anything about the reason for her interest beyond her curiosity about the process of refining silver. As she watched the silversmith, he held a piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up. When you're in a storm, it gets hot, does it not? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just been thrown in the fire, and they were bound, were they not? They were bound. They even had their turbans. That's saying they had a lot of clothes on, ladies. That means they weren't thrown in naked. That means that was flammable. You get that? It was flammable. You know, and it said that he let the heat up. He explained that in the refining silver, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were the hottest as it was burning away all the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a hot space. Then she, she thought again about the verse that he sits as a refiner and a purifier of silver. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time the silver was being refined. What do you think, ladies? Is he sitting there the whole time? Oh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. The whole time you going through your storm, I'm here to tell you he is right there with you. When you feel the most loneliest, I'm here to tell you he is right there with you. Those are the times that He's carrying you. It said the man answered yes and explained that he not only had to sit there holding the silver, but he had to keep his eyes on the silver the whole time. It was in the fire. If the silver was left even a moment too long in the flames, it would be damaged. I'm here to tell you no matter what you're going through, God is holding you. He's loving you. And he has got a way of escape for you. I'm here to tell you he does. The woman was silent for a moment. Then she asked the silversmith, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He smiled at her and answered, oh, that's easy. When I see my image in it, when you going through the storm, you know, and that, you know, that's, that is pretty awesome right there to tell you that God is holding you when the flames is the hottest. You know what? And he is not going to let you come out smelling like fire. You know, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went into the flame, but when they came out, and was it not four in the fire? That's telling you that God is with you. He is with you. Oh, thank you, God. But the thing is, when you get through the storm, who are you going to be like if you hold on to Jesus? Who are you going to? You're becoming more like him, more like him when we're burning off all of our flesh and the things that we do not need to carry on. And it says, if today you are feeling the heat of this world's fire, just remember that God the Father and his son Jesus Christ are refining you. You are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Remember, he will take you through. You know, and I've already said something to you about being delivered by. When you've been delivered, we've all lost loved ones because there's a great, there's a great host of witnesses, is it not? I know one thing. I've got a grandma that tucked me into bed every morning. I love that lady. I lost her when I was young. But I'm here to tell you it's because of the prayers of that grandmother. I know that the prayers, you know what? You might have had a mother or a father or a grandmother that prayed over you and they may be gone. I'm here to tell you God holds those prayers. Those prayers don't just disappear. They may be gone. They may not have seen the answer, but I'm here to tell you our Father is still working on it. He is still working on those prayers. You know, 
I just, I love this right here that says Hebrews 12, 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We need to fix our eyes where they need to be set because I'm I started to say, when you go through a storm, some people become bitter, you know, and, and then you can just see it on their face. When you come across people, or it may even be someone in here tonight, that a storm or something has happened in your life that has just made you hard-hearted. I'm here to tell you that if you will just surrender, surrender any hurt, God can turn it around and he can change it and he can heal you inside out. We have got to hold on to Jesus and he will get you through the storm. He is with you. He is here. Hallelujah. He is here. God, we praise you. We praise you. I'm going to tell you a story. This is a story about a young lady. Her name is Margaret. See, she went through a storm herself. But unfortunately, she held on to the storm just a little bit too long. And see, this story is going to tell you what happens when we hold on to a fence and how it just it affects us emotionally. It stops us, it paralyzes us. Have you ever just been paralyzed and you can't go forward because you can't let go of what took place? We, you know what, God does not want us to be paralyzed, does he not? No, he does not. Let me tell you about Miss Margaret, and I'm going to get you to, to play softly. Jesus, have your way, have your way. For almost 40 years, Margaret lived with world-inflicted wounds that nearly destroyed her life. From the first day she attended her one-room schoolhouse, schoolhouse, she and her teacher, Miss Garner, didn't get along. Miss Garner was harsh, bitter, and cruel and could not tolerate Margaret's childish idiocracies. For years, the tensions between the two built up pressure. Margaret was nine years old when the cataclysmic day occurred. Nine years old. Nine years old. I just wonder who in this room has had a hurt from childhood. I pray tonight that that hurt will be dropped and let go. The one that ripped her world apart, it happened after recess when she frantically raced into class late again. As she burst through the door, she faced her peers jeering at her maliciously. Margaret, Miss Garner shouted, we have been waiting for you. Get up here to the front of this class right now. Margaret walked slowly to the teacher's desk and she she told her face to the class, and then the nightmare began. Miss Garner ranted, boys and girls, Margaret has been a bad girl. I've tried to help her to be responsible, but apparently she doesn't want to learn. So she must be teached to listen. We must force her to face what a selfish person she has become. I want each of you to come to the front of the room, take a piece of chalk, and write something bad about Margaret on the blackboard. Maybe this experience will motivate her to become a better person. Margaret stood frozen next to Miss Garner. One by one, the students began a silent procession to the chalkboard. One by one, the students wrote their life-smothering words, slowly extinguishing the light in Margaret's soul. Margaret is stupid. Her little head went down. Margaret is selfish. 
Her little head went down further. Margaret is fat. Margaret is a dummy. And on and on they wrote until 25 terrible scribblings of Margaret's badness filled the chalkboard. The venomous accusations taunted Margaret in what felt like the longest day of her life. After walking home with each caustic word indelibly written on her, she crawled into her bed, claimed sickness, and tried to cry the pain away, but the pain never left. Oh, and 40 years later, she slumped in the waiting room of a psychiatrist's office, still cringing in the shadow of those 25 sentences. After decades of depression and anxiety, she had finally sought for help Two long years of weekly counseling helped Margaret to finally extricate herself from her past. It had been a long and difficult road, but she smiled at her counselor. How long had it been since she smiled? As they talked about her readiness to move on. Well, Margaret, the counselor said softly, I guess it's graduation day. How are you feeling? After a long silence, Margaret spoke. I'm okay. The counselor hesitated. Margaret, I know this will be difficult, but just to make sure you're ready to move, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to go back to that, that classroom and detail the events of the day. Take your time, Margaret. Describe each of the children as they approach the chalkboard. Remember what they wrote and how you felt all 25 students. In a way, this would be easy for Margaret. For 40 years, she had remembered every detail, and yet to go through the nightmare one more time would take every bit of strength she had. After a long silence, she began to painfully describe one by one. She described each of the students vividly as though she had just seen them, stopping periodically to regain her composure, forcing herself to face each of those students one more time. Finally, she was finished, and the tears would not stop, could not stop. Margaret cried a long time before she realized somebody was whispering her name, Margaret, Margaret. Margaret, Margaret. She looked up to see her counselor staring into her eyes, saying her name over and over again. Margaret stopped crying for a moment. Margaret, you left, you left one person out. I certainly did not. I have lived with this story for 40 years. I know every student by heart. No, Margaret. You did forget someone. See, he's sitting in the back of the classroom. Look, Margaret. He's, he's standing up, Margaret. Margaret, he's walking towards your teacher, Miss Garner. She's handing him a piece of chalk, and he's taking it, Margaret. He's taking it. Now he's walking over to the chalkboard. He's picking up an eraser, Margaret. Oh, Margaret, Margaret, look what he's doing now. He's erasing every one of those sentences that the students wrote. They're gone, Margaret. They're gone. Now he's turning and he's looking at you, Margaret. Do you recognize him yet? Yes, yes, his name is Jesus. Look. Look, Margaret, he's writing you sentences on the board now. Look, Margaret, 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 he's saying you are loved, Margaret. Look, Margaret, Margaret, he's saying you're beautiful. Oh, look, Margaret, now he's writing gentle and kind. Margaret is strong. 
Margaret has great courage. And Margaret began to weep. But very quickly the weeping turned into a smile. And then into a laughter. And then into tears of joy. For 40 years Margaret had limped through life with the pain of a broken heart. But finally she allowed Jesus, the healer, the comforter, the great physician to bind up the broken heart and allow her to be healed. What is Jesus writing on the chalkboard of you right now? I believe he's saying you are chosen. You are dearly loved. You are holy. You are beautiful. You are pure. You are my bride. I have, I have your name engraved on the palm of my hand. I come here to tell you that no matter what life or the enemy has tried to tear you down with, I'm here to tell you that there is one that has always been with you. No matter what storm in life you've gone through, he has always been with you. He's always been there standing right beside you. Would you stand with me? This whole weekend is about raising a hallelujah, bringing the women together to do what it is that only God can do. You know, the enemy, he is a liar seeking who he may devour. He comes against our homes, our families, our marriages, trying to cause discord, disunity. But I'm here to tell you, when we plug in, to the right source and when we stay plugged into the right source no matter you know where we find healing do you know where we find it in God's Word however it is wherever your room I love that that movie the war room oh Miss Clara oh I love me some Miss Clara I can't believe that woman was just acting she sure took my heart but you know what we gotta do? We gotta carve us out a place and we gotta start going into that room. If you've got children that aren't saved and ain't living right, you get pictures of your children and you plant them in that room and you start writing out those verses that say you and your household shall be saved. You know, if you've got something going on at your work, you know, maybe you've got someone that's making work hard. Maybe you're the only Jesus that person may have ever seen. They may be, like I was saying earlier, they may be bitter and upset over something that you don't even know what's going on in their lives. You know, I pray that if you're dealing with something like that, that God will change you. Change you. Don't say nothing about them. Start right there in the mirror. Start right there with you first. You know what? Sometimes we got to change so that our eyes will see them differently. You know, we got to pray, oh, Holy Spirit, help me to see them the way you see them. Oh, Lord, give me a word. Maybe they just need a smile. Maybe they just need somebody to bake them a cake and take them a cake. What are you dealing with? Maybe you're the Margaret. Maybe you're the Margaret that someone said something hurtful. Or maybe you're the Margaret that didn't have the mom and dad present in your life. You know what? That causes hurts. That causes hurts. It makes them feel insecure that no one loved them. But I'm here to tell you that God never leaves us. He said, as I said in Isaiah when we was reading that, no matter if the fire comes or if the water comes or, or whatever comes that way, I will not let it brush over you. I will not let it burn you when we hold on to Jesus. What do you need to release tonight? What is it you need to release tonight? You know, it's between you and God. And you know, sometimes you just got to lay before him, lay before him wherever your place is of worship, wherever it is that you can just lay before him whatever is going on in your life. Tonight, I ask you, if you've got anything that you need to pray about, this altar is open. This altar is open. You know what? I know that my God loves you. He loves you. And he is just waiting for you to make a step. Make a step. 
whatever it is that you need to release. You know, we need a, a shift. We need to make a shift. We need to make a change. And you know what? That mirror, I thought about getting a mirror today because you know what we do? We need to start right here. We need to start right here. Close your eyes, Father God, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Thou are welcome in this place. Lord, I know this ain't going nothing like I had thought. But Lord, you know everyone that's in this room. Lord, you know what they're dealing with, Father God. Lord, you know in the name of Jesus, I pray if there's those that need healing. Oh, Lord, I pray that they'll lift their hands up this very moment now. And Lord, I pray healing, your healing flow now, dear God. Oh, Lord, from the throne room of heaven, Lord, I pray that you will touch them from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, dear God. Lord, that their bodies will line up with the word of God, that by your stripes we are healed, oh God. Lord, if there's unsaved loved ones, dear God, Lord, let them stand in the gap. Oh, Lord, let them stand in the gap and never give up on their child. Lord, maybe addiction is, has pierced their body and, and blinded their eyes so much that they're like the prodigal, that they've gone so far. And you're like, Lord, I don't even know how they can come back. But I'm here to tell you, you no matter what you've done, God still loves you. No matter how far your child may have gone, God still loves them. God has a plan. He has a purpose. Oh, Father, Lord, if there's one that's been in this room tonight, dear God, that has let hurts, that has let offenses build a fence, build a wall around them, between them and loved ones, dear God. Lord, as that song said, there's no wall high enough that you can't knock down. Lord, I pray this very moment, dear God, if there's walls in this room now, that they will be knocked down, oh God. Oh Lord, I pray healing now, dear God, to the very place that healing needs to penetrate, oh God. Oh, hallelujah, ladies, help me pray, help me pray, cry out to our Father. We're coming together. We're coming together to raise a hallelujah. To raise a hallelujah. Tomorrow we're going to start talking about that. The battle cry. Our battle cry. Oh Lord, I pray tonight, dear God, you do a work, Father God. You do a work, Father God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do that song. There's no mountain high enough. That one that you did. Y'all, let's sing with her. Come on, ladies. We don't have to rush. We didn't already done today. Let's just worship. Let's just praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to our podcast here at Life Fellowship Church in Hearst, Texas. God is doing great things at our church, and we would like for you to be a part. Join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m., and Wednesdays at 6.45 p.m. Get connected with us through Facebook or our website at www.lifefellowshiphurst.org. Thank you and God bless.